0: Well, welcome again. It's good to see everybody here for worship. We are two weeks into this, uh, series called The Sweet Life, and today we're looking at peace. What, what brings peace and harmony? And that's something I think that we, we all want, is peace and harmony. Uh, got a question for you. Do we have any Dodgers fans? Okay. I come in peace. I'm a Giants fan, but I, I come in peace. And, uh, and you're, you're all about to, you know, pretty soon, probably clinch the division, right? Okay. Is it one game? one game? One game, okay. So, as a Giants fan, I'm cl- we're clawing for a wild card, you know, and, and so, but this week was proof that there can be peace between Giants and Dodger fans. Cause I, I went with seven guys from church. It was four Giants fans and three Dodger fans to Dodger Stadium. And managed to have a good time together. And, uh, had a good time together. The, the Dodger fans, they kind of surrounded us so that we would be safe through the stadium. It felt very intimidating to be probably one of a few hundred giants, you know, in, in wearing orange in this sea of blue everywhere. And so uh but there was peace at Dodger Stadium. So it was it was a good day. So I want to pray and I want kind of launch it before we launch into this message. So let, let's pray together. Father, thank you for again for this time. It's been good to worship you already and just to sing your praises and these these truths lord thank you for bringing us here today to recognize that uh in the room there's just a lot going on lord there's there's issues swirling in our lives there's challenges that we're facing that are waiting for us as soon as we leave um there's decisions that we're trying to make there's relationships that we're wrestling with and uh, Lord, there's questions we have. And, and so we I just recognize that there's a number of things going on here this morning. So I ask you to at really speak to us, Lord. Would you connect the dots that we need connected in our lives, Lord? Your word has a lot to say about the issues of real life. And so, God, I pray you'd speak through it now. We ask for your help in doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we actually have a guest here with us, visiting from Hope Church and Hope Community Church in Fort Worth, Texas. And so I wanted to just uh, introduce you to him. This is my good friend, Matt Servant. He's a pastor, uh, executive pastor. And so, Matt, would you, would you mind standing and just letting us welcome you? This is Matt. And uh, Matt taught a Walk Through the Bible seminar. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but there's a ministry. It's an international ministry in their, in their scope, uh, Walk Through the Bible. Is they they teach the church about the Old Testament and the the New Testament. And so Matt taught the walk through the Old Testament seminar in Irvine, and our church sent uh, over 30 people to the seminar that he taught in order to learn more about the the Old Testament and learning ways to remember what's in the Old Testament. And so he taught all sorts of, uh, you know, truths and, and stories and. Used a number of uh, hand uh, motions to remember what's what's in the Bible, and it was really helpful. I've been through the course that he taught; it was really helpful, and I know many of you were here at, or were, were there yesterday at the event that he taught. And so Matt's here. If you wanted to connect with him again, uh, you know I'm sure he'd love to say hi. And so uh, I've known Matt for about 15 years, and the church that he is the executive pastor at in Fort Worth, Texas, is kind of like our grand. Uh, Mother Church, in a sense. So the church that we came from was planted out of Hope Church in Texas, and so uh, Hope Church planted Church in the Valley, and Church in the Valley uh, planted our church, and so th- that's the connection. So we we connect often with Matt and his uh, the staff that that he's a part of uh, there in Texas. And matter of fact, we'll be he and I will be spending some time in Germany together uh, next month uh, as we're doing some things to uh, help build some. Uh, build some relationships and continue to nurture some relationships that we're forming with some partners overseas. And so wanted to point out that he was here. Uh, so, so this morning we're looking again at, at sweetness in life. How do you get that? You know, life, life at times can feel more sour than sweet. It's often, it's oftentimes, it can be bitter. Oftentimes. And we don't like that. Some of our goals... Some of your goals, some of my goals, actually can cause us to miss the sweet life that God intends altogether. And for instance, last week we talked about the importance of of humility on a real practical level. You know, we would default, all of us typically want to push ourselves to the front of the line in order to get a position of influence and honor in life. And the the more experiences we, we get, it's tempting to just... To just push our way to the front. And, and Jesus showed us last week something very counterintuitive to our native thinking, which is, hey, take, take a lower position intentionally and wait on being exalted. And that, that was a principle we looked at last week was regarding humility and how humility is the path to true honor. That, that brings the sweet life. Humility does. It's not pushing ourselves to the front. So we're going to look at something very similar in the way that uh Just comparing what the world says about how do you get the sweet life. But the issue today is relationships. How do you get sweetness in relationships? How do you get harmony in relationships? Uh, picture, Picture your perfect day with people. Just try to picture that. What would my perfect day with people really look like? Imagine this. Imagine getting along like this. I'm sure it would include something like, you know, just... Everybody's smiling, you know, it's family photo day, everyone's smiling, getting along, there's laughter, you know, there's just harmony. Or, or, or at work, you arrive at work and everyone is just high fiving each other. You get there and it's just everyone's in a great mood, you know, high fives all around, there's no bad idea, people are encouraging each other, people are being built up, and then, and then you, and then you head home, Or you head out to to see a friend after work, let's say, and you you get on the road, and this is the the freeway. It's just wide open space, and this is this is like you know six o'clock. You're like or five o'clock. You know it's just this is great. It's a great day. There's peace, you know. And if somebody merges on the road, you're like, go ahead, come on in. He's like, no, after you. And you're just working together well on the freeways, and then you, you, you 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 meet your friend. You know, just to get on the same page about a project you're working on. And, and you're just communicating really well with each other. And it's like, man, we're on the same page. And he's like, yeah, man, we are. We just understand each other today. And this, this is great. This is a great day. Doesn't that sound awesome? Doesn't that feel really good? In reality, most of our days, and you know this is coming, right? Okay, what's he going to show next? Most of our days are filled with this. You know, just chaos and hectic schedules. People in our lives put demands on us. We can't please everyone. We have, we have a to-do list that just keeps growing. The more we work on it, just somehow people keep adding to our to-do list. And we're overwhelmed. The pressure is so great that it can feel like we're going to burst, like this guy. It just feels like we're about to pop. People are pushing our buttons. And it feels like all that we're doing is just not good enough. The pressure just keeps mounting and mounting and mounting. Or worse, someone blows up on us. Now this may look funny for a moment but then if you look at the expression I mean this is this is serious look at the intensity in this photo I'm kind of scary it's frightening he is he is angry and she's she's hurt Now in real life the perfect day is just it's out of grasp in our lives it's out of grasp to have the perfect day because perfect days don't exist because our days are full of people, and there are no perfect people. So therefore, there are no perfect days. And so, and then nothing can really sour the sweet life faster than relational conflict. So that's why I want to look at this this morning. Would you take out your listening guide, it looks like this, it's in, your, it's in your program, and I encourage you to follow along on the listening guide. The Bible reminds us of this, that conflict is the major threat to peace and harmony. Conflict is the major threat to our peace and harmony. James 4, verses 1 and 2 begins with a rhetorical question. Here's the beginning of James 4, verses 1 and 2. It says, What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not that your passions are at war within you? This, this is the reason. There's some passions, there's some things that we really want, okay, that are battling inside of us. Verse 2, You desire and you don't have. You're not getting all that we really want. And so, he says, it goes so far that, you know he says, so you murder. You covet. You cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You know, there, there's conflict. Conflict is coming from blocked goals in our life. I, I have some goals that I want. You have some goals that you're trying to accomplish. And then someone blocks our goal and now all of a sudden, you know, the fight is on. Whether it's a verbal fight or a nonverbal fight or, a, or worse, a physical fight. I mean, conflict comes from blocked goals. And it brings harm. You know, we can start icy glances towards people. We have bad attitude. We can cut people with our words. It just the way that we fight, you know, it's just we all have our particular flavor of how we like to bring conflict towards others, but so James is describing where, where is this coming from? Well, it comes from within us. There's some things on the inside that bring this up. And so imagining the perfect day doesn't really help us. There's no point in imagining the perfect day because People are incapable. We're all incapable of producing the perfect day, because of the desires on the inside that oftentimes are blocked. And so, what do we need? Well, we need we need a way. We need to find a way around conflict. We need to we need to find a place where there's no conflict. No, that that's impossible. You'd have to go live on an island to pull that off. And so, what we really need is we need to learn just how do I deal with the conflict that comes frequently in my life we need a plan on how to do that uh, how, how do you deal with conflict what is your strategy I want to show you a clip from the office and Michael I think he's the boss he, he's about to lay out a plan for some conflict that has um, exploded between two of his employees and so he's about to try to mediate between these employees so look at the way that he tries to do this a mediator's tool chest a mediator's tool chest. Okay. Well, before we get started, you should know that there are five different styles of conflict. My shouting temper style defeats your monkey style. Can we go? I have a lot of work to do. Nope. This is important. Okay. The first style is lose lose. What's the next one? Just hold on, please. Okay. If we do lose lose, neither of you gets what you want. Do you understand? You, you would both lose. Now, I need to ask you, do you want to pursue a lose-lose negotiation? Can we just skip to whatever number five is, win-win or whatever? Win-win is number four, and number five is win-win-win. The important difference here is, with win-win-win, we all win. Me too. I win for having successfully mediated a conflict at work. <laughs> Win, win, win. You know, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with the conflict? There there are actually some strategies to dealing with conflict, as you see there. And there's a huge difference between the two that I'm going to bring up this morning. There's two. There's the the peace lovers approach and there's the peacemakers approach. I want to look at these two and really try to help you understand the difference between the two. One strategy of, of dealing with conflict is to be a peace lover, okay? To be a peace lover. This is a popular notion. And who doesn't want peace? I mean, who wouldn't love to experience peace? I think we all would, ex- would love to experience peace in relationships. But oftentimes when you, when you look at this issue, you find that, that this group or this idea is that the group really tries to avoid conflict altogether. That's the the first way to describe being a peace lover is just, I avoid conflict, okay? I avoid conflict. Peace lovers will do whatever it takes. Steering clear of anything. Anything that resembles a relational problem, they're just, they're steering around it. If there's conflict over here, I I avoid that altogether. I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of that. Peace lovers may avoid people, may avoid groups. They may drop relationships. They may let go of friendships. If there's conflict at work, they would rather quit their job than to deal with it. They'll just go find a new job where there's more peace. You know, maybe I'll find a job where that exists. And so that's the thought, is I just steer around it. Now, this is a tempting strategy, just to avoid conflict altogether. I mean, we're all, I don't know if you're tempted in this way. I'm certainly tempted by this. Let's just avoid it. <laughs> maybe if we avoid it, it'll go away. Maybe they'll forget about it. Now, look at what Jesus has to say about it. Matthew 5, 20, verse 23 and 24. Jesus says this. He says, so if you're offering your gift at the altar... You know, you're 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 at worship and there you remember that your brother has something against you leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift he's teaching a principle a principle about taking initiative to clear up relationships but the context he's using is is a worship setting this is a f- familiar setting to his to his listeners this would have been a familiar teaching point you know the jews they would gather together For worship. They would bring their offerings to God to worship Him at the temple. And Jesus uses this familiar setting to teach a point about moving towards conflict and not moving away from conflict. And this is very important for us to catch. In fact, if you're in the middle of offering your gift, He says, if you're, you know, you're, you're about to, the basket's coming by and you're about to put an offering in the offering basket. Or, or in, or in our case, maybe, we're singing and we're offering to God our voices and we're offering truths. We're singing and we're saying, God, this is what we believe about you. We're singing in praise and we're we're offering those, you know, praises to Him as 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 worship. Or we're praying and, and all of a sudden we're mid whatever, mid song or we're mid giving an offering, and all of a sudden we realize, man, I've offended someone in some specific way, like verbally, non-verbally, or I've I've done something, you know, you know, I've offended that person. Whatever offense is outstanding, Jesus says, hey, stop what you're doing. Stop what you're doing. Don't continue. Don't continue on with worship. Because if you, if you continue, we, we tend to have this ability to just move on and forget about it. We get distracted by what's next and what's next. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden the thought that was on our mind, of, yeah, I probably should go straighten that out, it, it escapes us because something else has occupied our focus. And so Jesus elevates having clear relationships with others, even to the point, he says, of pausing in worship. I mean, can you imagine that we, you know, all of a sudden we're singing and you just realize, man, there's so-and-so over there. I was really rude to them. Well, Jesus is saying, "Look, go clear that up. Don't continue to sing and smile. And instead, go clear it up. Go, hey, you know what? I, what I said to you yesterday, you know, at that small group, I, I was really harsh and rude with you. Would you forgive me of that? Or can we go step out real quick? I just want to clear this up. You know, Jesus is saying." Take it that seriously that you would elevate this so high that you'd clear up your relationships. Somehow, we assume that we can be clear with God and at the same time, unclear with people. And Jesus says, no, nope, go go clear it up. That's not typically our default. We usually want to run the other way. When there's conflict, when there's chaos, if we're just a peace lover, then we we run away from conflict. I have a, another video I want to show you about this idea of you know, challenging the idea of a peace lover. So, let's take a look. There are a few who move toward the sounds of chaos, ready to respond at a moment's notice. Now, what what does that do for you? And think about your relationships. There's conflict. Like you open the door to your bedroom and then there's, there's there's conflict. And you're like, what do I do? What do I do? I shut the door, go back to bed and pretend I don't hear it. Do I, or do I start engaging and moving towards the conflict? There's very few people that want to do that. I mean, there's very few people that want to run towards the sound of chaos like that in, in, you know, with the, this Marines recruiting video. That appeals to certain people. Very few of us are really willing to move towards it and to just say, hey, this is so important. So Matthew five twenty three and 24 is about when we cause the problem. Whenever we cause the problem and God shows that we've caused the problem, we take initiative. What about when someone else is the source of the conflict? What about when someone else has offended you? Jesus speaks to that as well. Matthew 18, verse 15, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. There's this important uh, principle, again, about the issue of y- you can't just steer around it. If you try to stuff it down, it will eventually blow up. It's like trying to, it's like lighting a match near a fuel source. Eventually, there's going to be a reaction. And so, when we just think, oh, I'm going to stuff it down and ignore it, maybe it'll go away, it's just, it's never a wise strategy. The reaction is eventually going to come. Another, another aspect of being a peace lover is to appease evil. A peace lover will appease evil. Basically, to appease evil means peace at any price. Peace at any price. Even if it means that you just allow people to hurt you. Allow people to run all over you. And so people flippantly will use Luke 6.29 to, to, to support this thinking of Jesus was all about appeasing evil and bringing peace. And after all he said, you know, turn the other cheek. So I want to show you this passage in full, okay? Luke six twenty-seven through 29, or at least a section around it. But I say to you who hear, this is what Jesus said, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Okay, turn, turn the other cheek. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So when we when we try to say that Jesus was all about appeasing evil, there's really you might be misapplying this verse. Jesus here in this context, he's telling us, "Hey, here's how you respond to insult, to persecution." This isn't a verse about peace at any price, but this certainly does give us some instruction on when to not respond back to what they're saying, and and you know there is a time to just take it. Jesus is saying when someone insults you verbally or strikes you. you know. Some, sometimes we're, we're verbally hurt with what someone says to us, and our pride is, is damaged. And so Jesus is saying, look, for the sake of peace, go ahead and let your pride be damaged. You don't need to dish it back out to them. You don't need to cut them with your words now. You don't need to retaliate in that way. We actually see Jesus modeling this when he was insulted, but he refused to retaliate. Jesus himself, he was... He was People were hurling insults at him. Look at First Peter 2. Peter remembers this example of what he saw Jesus do. And he writes this to the church. First Peter 2. Speaking of Jesus, Peter writes, When he was reviled, to revile someone is to verbally abuse someone. Okay? When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So that's a specific faith issue. There's persecution issues that come up. That's not peace at all costs, because Jesus is the same one who, at points, moved towards conflict. There's a situation where he's in the temple, he's entering into the temple, and he sees in the, you know, in the, that Outside of the temple, the money changers were were you know giving people uh, offerings and they were profiteering and they were manipulating people that wanted to come to worship God and they were gouging people with their prices and they were cheating people and they were doing wrong and Jesus walks in and sees this whole scene outside the temple and what does he do he 's he's, he's fed up with it, so what he does is he goes and he turns over their tables. <laughs> Can you imagine the scene? Jesus is stirring things up in this moment. It's, it's not peace at any price in this moment. He's, he's clearly um, unhappy with what's going on. So he he turns over these guys' tables. This is not a peaceful encounter for Jesus, okay? Something else important to, to, to note is that peace requires two sides. Peace requires two sides. And so Romans 12.18 it says, if at all possible, or if, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Sometimes we do all we can on our end in order to clear up an offense or to get on the same page, but sometimes it's just not possible because the other person is you know, refusing to clear up the offense with you. And you, you, you could say, hey, look, I, I'm really sorry for what I did. And you might... You might realize, I did wrong here. And I, I owe this person a sincere and genuine apology. I need to own what I said and, and call it what it is and ask them to forgive me. And you could go through the whole process and they may say, you know, I'm still offended at you. And Paul's saying, look, if at all possible, you do what you can with everything within your power. So we do all we can. And, but, but here's the, the point on all these verses. We can't just love peace which most of us already do. I would say most of us love peace. We can't just... That's not enough. We actually have to make peace. We have to seek to make it. So flip, flip over this listening guide on the back. Here's here's what a peacemaker is. And this is more than a nuance, okay? Don't think this is just the same word, just a different one. No, this is very different. There's a big difference between a peace, a peace lover and a peacemaker. So peacemakers stop arguing. We've all been in a situation where the conflict is... It's broken out and it's going back and forth, back and forth. And you know, the goal of the argument oftentimes is just to win the argument. Whether it's with a friend, a coworker, a spouse, a family member, if once we're heated and in that argument and exchanging words, you know, so often we stop listening to what the other person is actually saying. We just and as long as we go back and forth the conflict just keeps escalating. And so scripture just says, hey, stop arguing. Proverbs talks about this. In many places we find this issue of, of how to deal with conflict. Look at this from Proverbs 17. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. Starting or continuing a quarrel may seem just like a minor, you know, like a small matter, but oftentimes it grows beyond our control just like a crack that would form on a dam eventually leads to just devastation below. You know, that, that, that dam is there for a purpose to prevent flooding and prevent problems. And so, you know, the dam oftentimes is our mouth. And if we'll just decide, I'm not going to say the things that, I, that, I, that I'm feeling right now, the things that I want to say right now, if we'll just settle it and begin to process, okay, how, how can I stop this argument? The best thing to do in Proverbs is to not start the argument. To just, before it starts, the beginning of it. This is the beginning of strife. The beginning, this word in Hebrew, has to do with the breakthrough point. The point that everything begins to break through is once, once it starts. And so if I can stop it from starting, uh, that can go a long way. You know, Sometimes it's just choosing to be gracious. Sometimes it's choosing to forgive the person from the heart before I get engaged in this argument. But that can go a long way. Once it's on our face, oftentimes the fight is on. Proverbs 12, verse 16. The vexation of a fool is known at once. Sometimes it just you see it on my face. But the prudent ignores Ins- an insult. Dropping a matter is, is sometimes the best thing you can do just to drop it. Because once it shows up on our face, the fight is on often. The other person may take that bait Maybe the nonverbal cue is enough to where that starts the fight. So learning to just how can I how can I not take this and take take offense to this? What can I do to let this go? Another aspect of being a peacemaker is to is to I'm going to change this. Look at my part of the problem. It says their part of the problem, but look at my part of the problem. So change this in your listening guide. I was throwing people off last service. <laughs> Look at, look at my part of the problem. What is it that I did to contribute to this problem here? There's so much conflict that comes our way when we're constantly consumed with what they're doing and with what they're not doing. And when we're focused on them, we end up losing sight of our own problems, our own sin, our own faults. We don't, we don't see how we contributed to the conflict. We're naturally too fixated on the other person's part of the problem. And this is what Jesus calls out in Matthew 7. Jesus gives us Great, you know, picture that he draws. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? He says, he asks. You see the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye. We see this tiny little sawdust speck and we got this beam, this plank coming out of our our eye. Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's this log in your own eye. Jesus says, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. First, basically, look at your part of the problem, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The exaggeration in his teaching, it just highlights how we fixate on other people's part of the problem. And the more we do that, the more blinded we are to our own. And so, first thing, look, look at what did I do in this conflict? What's my part of the problem? How did I contribute? What did I say specifically? What specifically, have how, how I specifically worked to uh, escalate this or to continue this problem this sets us up for another mark of a peacemaker they listen they listen to what the other person's saying they listen to them when someone comes and there's tension between the two of you whether they're trying to clear something up with you or you need to clear it up with them if, if you just sense the tension is mounting if you will listen and stop talking if I do that we can have we can make peace so much faster if I will just decide, I need to stop. I need to stop and I need to listen. Because when I listen, then I can begin to understand what the other person is saying. Now, backing up in verse, in, uh, verse 1 from the same chapter where he, he says, you know, take the log out of your eye before you try to remove the speck from your brothers. Jesus says this in verse 1 of that same chapter. And these are connected ideas. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. At first glance, you look at that, and it seems like he's saying, don't ever judge. Right? It seems like he's saying, don't ever judge. But that's actually not a universal principle that you find in the, in, in the Bible. In fact, other places in the Bible, the church is actually told at points there's an appropriate time to judge a matter. However, you know, Jesus is making a practical observation here about the way that we relate to each other, and the way it affects the relationships. Especially in light of verses 3 through verse 5, Jesus is saying, don't judge first. If you think about what He's saying in verses 3 through 5, He's not saying don't ever judge. He's saying don't judge first. Judge not. Because if you look later, He says, first take the, the the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly. There's there's times to... to have a clearing up relationship where you may need to say yeah look i i i really did wrong here and would you forgive me for these harsh words and these harsh things and then they say hey what what about what i did you know if you're honest if i'm honest yeah this was hurtful to hear you say this but again it's it, so many times it's about the order we so quickly want to judge first and not really listen and there's really a better way to respond to people. In fact, it always works best if we start with identifying with them. Here's a, uh, here's a paradigm called the response paradigm by, by Pastor Harold Bullock. And, and he says, if we'll start with identifying with people and supporting them and then beginning to clarify, like, man, I, I really know how you're feeling right now. I've... I, I, I've actually been frustrated just like this. This has happened to me before. I've been in your shoes, and um, and, I, and beginning to support them. And I, I'm really sorry what you're going through. That, that's got to be hard. I mean, genuinely, I, I really am sorry. Then beginning to clarify to, so that you can really understand the situation. What is it that, that happened between the two of us? Well, tell me from your perspective. What what did you hear me saying? And you're clarifying. Oh oh wow, you heard okay, you heard me say that. What what else did you hear me saying? You know? Just asking questions and then eventually you're probing, you're trying to get a little deeper, make sure you're on the same page with that person. You know, and then sometimes there's a there's a time and a place to actually instruct and to judge, but it comes it comes later. The point here is that you don't judge first. You don't rush to judgment and say, Hey, you screwed up. You know, you you're 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 the problem here. That's a judgment on them what you should have done was this that's instruction but that's that's what Jesus um, really is trying to help us see here is uh, th- there's a lot of there's a lot that we bring into the mix and so that's why he says take, take the log out of your own eye start there identify what you've done bring that to them own that then begin to ask questions from there we can begin to ask questions questions and and really delay the, the need sometimes to even move to that point of judgment because it could be we we work through a problem with another person we realize wow I was totally at fault here I thought they I, I thought this was at least twenty five percent them and then we walk through the process and we realized, wow this was really all my fault I'm really sorry would you would you forgive me in in summary when conflict erupts. What we're saying here is the sweet life comes by pursuing peace it's more than just loving it we have to pursue we want to be peacemakers here's what the psalmist wrote what man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good now, who, who doesn't want the sweet life you want that keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit turn away from evil and do good seek peace and pursue it this is aggressive To experience the the sweet life, it's an aggressive pursuit towards peace. It's not passive. It's aggressive. And when conflict comes, we can't just wish it away or ignore it. And this wasn't just a message to get you feeling better about relationships, but really to point us towards the truth of God's Word and some principles that if we'll implement these into our lives as we leave today, or as we're maybe approaching our relationships, that we actually have some steps that we can put into action. that God that we can stand on. These are truths that we can stand on. I want to wrap up by asking you to consider what specifically does God want you to do uh, today, or this maybe this this week ahead. And I want to invite the worship team to, to join me up on the stage. And our next steps, you just see those lines are blank. We've just intentionally left those blank so that you could just pray and consider what if there's a relationship that needs to be. Um, pursued if there's a conversation that needs to be had this week we want you to think through what 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 does that look like and up on the screen you see there's two questions and these are the questions i I want to invite you to pray through pray through your relationships and ask what would god want me to do to make peace and then when do i plan to take this step so god what do you want me to do so i want you to bow your heads and then the band is the worship team is just going to just play for a little bit just ask god what do you want me to do and when do you want me to do that Just ask him to get real specific and then write that down. And um, we'll close in prayer in just a few moments. Let's pray. Father, um, we are so grateful for You, God. We're grateful that you give us the chance to have peace in our relationships. We're grateful that you give us guidance to know how to go about doing that. Lord, we're grateful that when there was conflict and separation between us, between you and us, Lord, you took the initiative and you bore the sacrifice to make that relationship right. And God, we are so grateful that you've done that for us. And Lord, we thank you again that there's hope in relationships, that you give us so much hope that we can have peaceful and meaningful um, and fulfilling relationships, God. So we are so grateful that you help us with that. We thank you for your Son. It's His name we pray. Amen.